Welcome to Bits About Books, the home for conversations with authors of breakthrough books on sales, marketing and business. Founders, entrepreneurs and individual professionals, we all need to keep track of ideas that are helping create our today and tomorrow. Bits About Books will strive to find those books and speak to their authors, go behind the scenes and understand what inspired the authors to write the books that they did and how they went about doing so. Through our conversations, we hope to gain insights that will help us to get the most out of our efforts. I'm your host Shubhanjan Sarkar, founder of Pitchlink, the next generation buyer-seller engagement platform where our mission is to make buying easy. Welcome to Bits About Books. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Our guest today is Justin Michael and we speak with him about his bestseller Sales Superpowers, a new outbound operating system to drive explosive pipeline growth. There's been a Cambrian explosion of tools, 20,000 for MarTech, and now SalesTech is catching up with MarTech. Like you stated, 1,500 sales solutions. And what happens is you have like the Henry Ford supply chain, but across the very top of the funnel, 75% of that can be automated. But companies haven't necessarily invested in that tech because we've had a pandemic, multi-front war, recession fears. And so there's been more cost cutting versus a ton of M&A and investments in this that were predicted. Now, that will swing back. So right now, all the stats are pointing down. They're saying that the 11 million AEs and SDRs in tech, only 20% are hitting the number. Some say 40, I've heard even 20. So to me, that was a clarion call that I can't just have everyone with low budgets buy all the tech stacks. It's like, what do I do for everyone else? What's the MacGyver? There's 400 million small businesses and openings, new closing. They can't get the meetings. They can't get people to talk to them. They can't get their foot in the door. And so I said, well, over my 20 years, how here's how I did it. If I had a spreadsheet, a Gmail, and a LinkedIn, well, here's how I did the subject lines. And here's how I wrote the emails. And here's how I left a video. And here's my voicemail. Like, here are all the neuroscience, counterintuitive, visual, mobile responsive hacks that require no cost. That's the operating system, what you inject into the tech stack. Justin Michael is a world record-breaking outbound sales maven who has arguably built the deepest client acquisition methodology of all time, the Justin Michael method. It's driven over 1 billion in pipeline for 200 plus startups and over 25k reps, he advised. Ex-Salesforce and LinkedIn, Justin is the global authority on AI-based outbound prospecting alongside legends like Aaron Ross, Josh Brown and Mark Roberts. His counterintuitive, mobile, responsive, neuroscience-backed visual prospecting methodology made him a million-dollar earner and helped countless startups scale past the 10 million ARR. Justin is the best-selling author of Tech Powered Sales, which proved that over 75% of top funnel can be automated by raising your technology quotient. He lives in Los Angeles, California, advising top SaaS technology CROs and teams on bleeding-edge revenue models. Now, onto this explosive session with Justin Michael. Justin, welcome to Bits About Books again. 
I'm delighted to have you back. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated to talk to you, learn from you, uh, uh, look at what you are doing. Uh, I am a big fan of how much you give. And I'm not saying this because you have come on this show. You know that. I mean, we have been connected and, and we have been talking for, for many months now. Um, I I really want to know what made you think that you should actually put all your thoughts together into this book. What is mm-hmm. what is it that triggered you to think of writing a book? Because till now, you had done a collaboration with Tony. And yes. that was a very successful book, uh, pretty much in this genre. So basically, that was the watershed kind of book where technology and sales is spoken about uh, in yes. the same breath, right? So although we have, what, 1,500 sales tech products out there, uh, mm-hmm. we were never sort of putting it in, in the center of this discussion. So you did that with Tony. What made you think that you need to write a book now? Yeah, so I want to thank my co-founder, Julian Nimchinski, because it's been interesting, right? Because with the run-up to tech-powered sales being released, I began to formulate, well, what will I coach and train and advise on? And it just became the Justin Michael method. And it was these 17 codex cheat code guides that had email sequences and templates and formulas and strategies and scripts. And I put it out there and I put it on Reddit and I mean, tens of thousands of people downloaded this thing, yet there are contradictions in the guides, there are puzzles and riddles and paradoxes, and they were written over the course of years. And what happened is a whole new generation of, you know, gifted younger folks came up and started doing a lot of email marketing courses and email marketing. And it got to the point, kind of like Eddie Van Halen with two finger tapping on the guitar, is people forgot the first person to do it. So she encouraged me to codify a methodology. And this part of the funnel with Sandler and Challenger and Miller Hyman and on and on and on has really been plumbed to the depths. When we go up to the very top of the funnel, there's nothing really deep, sophisticated or um, strategic in the sense that it handles matrixed enterprise accounts. And I decided to write an operating system and basically the most comprehensive outbound methodology ever built. And uh, just to timestamp it, you know, and put my spin for legacy. And that's what this book became. It's my first ever solo book. I've been involved with five now. <laughs> it's my, you know, the one we're talking about today is second bestseller. It's, it came out as a double album and they're both bestsellers right now on Amazon. And we can talk about that. But yeah, um, just leaving my stamp. And uh, this this one email trainer, I showed him my work. He goes, oh, yeah, everyone uses this. Uh, your methods are like other people. I'm like, no, actually, in 2017, I, cre- I was the first in the world to do this. <laughs> so it's not really hubris. You know, I open source my materials, but I just thought, you know, certifying people and getting the method out there, it's, uh, it's driven a billion dollars in pipelines. So I can drone on. I am being interviewed, but <laughs> I want to hear from you. Yeah, I I actually you answered one of the questions that I had that I did you did share with me the codexes in the past, like mm-hmm. with many other people. And uh, one of my question was, uh, it was already out there. Why did you want to put it together? But you did answer that, so we, we leave that aside. 
um what was your what was your process because you obviously had this material and you and you did hear from people who are using it in terms of the contradictions or overlaps or whatever uh, in these these documents because they as you said were written over a long period of time um what was your now method to put it together uh, in in terms of a book well, what happened is open ai and chat gpt came out and everyone turned to me and say well hey are you sunk and the first thing i did is meet with a phd scientist and build sort of a jmm gpt and now there's just a feature in gpt5 where you can just mimic anything it can ingest a book and it can talk like the book so it's hilarious we're trying to do this and then you know the team just released the ability um what i found is that the Ernest Hemingway ability of something to be simplified, still a complex system that made sense. What had to happen is, you know, I worked with editors in the UK and I made this the Justin Michael method, but it's written at a high school level. And the first book was sort of MBA. It was like, it got a negative Amazon review, tech powered sales. Like this has more acronyms than a defense contractor manual. And that's fine. And I didn't dumb it down. I made it elegant and universal and simple for all. So I have a client now who's French and he's and another one who's Swedish. And they read this at night, five pages at a time in English. And they're finally understanding what the heck I've been talking about in the codexes. Because the codexes are, you know, like three pages. It's fast hitting. There's not a lot of explanation. Do this. So people get it and they copy it. But they don't know why it's that way. Um, so that's been the universal thing. I mean, Aaron Ross, when he first met me, he read uh, the document of Tech Powered Sales. He was in there. He's like, man, you got to simplify. Go on the road, talk to people, find out what the audience wants. So what I did with this book is I humbled myself, put 2,000 people into five Google Docs, and I took all the feedback. And if I was a little over the top of something, I'd have the editors dial it back and really invested in editing myself. Now, I shopped this book to seven publishers. And why this book is so interesting is this book is like life coaching, business coaching and consulting, and then outbound prospecting because it has a metaphysical nature of just how do you mentally survive for 20 years getting rejected? Mm. So I really started touching things like, you know, visualization and transcendentalism and some of these ideas of uh, entanglement, quantum theory. And so they're kind of like, well, is it a spiritual life coach book or is it like, a client acquisition manual. And so there's, it's kind of genre breaking. And that also, it feels good to read. You come, you come away from it ready to take over the world <laughs> in a good way or your pipeline that works. Right. Right. So, so did you sort of put aside a time of the day to do this every day for a period of time, or was it weekends that you were doing it? I mean, I'm amazed at how at all kinds of hours across geographies, you have always responded to me uh on uh i mean i i, I don't know sometimes whether, whether whether you're awake you don't sleep i'm i'm very 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 puzzled actually <laughs> well i i've been able, i've been able to do a lot of traveling um as the consultancy and businesses have taken off um i have this in the forward of the book because i write the opening kind of stanza and it says written to uh, ludovico and audi so i wrote most of this book listening to this you know luminous piano and audi and some people close you know friends and family like it's not depressing but like i find a, a beauty in that music just mm. that melancholy piano because it really settles my mind and then my 
ideas can drift. And actually, in the second book, I talk about Salvador Dali. Mm. He used to sleep on a metal plate with a key in his hand, and he would start dropping off in his subconscious, and he'd drop the key, and he'd hear the clink, and he'd wake up. Because he was seeking that out, that theta state in between mm. consciousness and unconsciousness. But that flow state is different for everybody. But I find like certain types of music relax in my mind, and then I can just kind of get in there and flow. Now, the result is a bit of a fractal. So I really did need heavy flow editing and framework editing. And mm -hmm. that's why it's two volumes, because it was 96,000 words in the end, and it took 300 hours to write. Mm -hmm. And I had 200 coaching sessions over the six months. And every single time someone says, well, Justin, how did you do that? I put it on the list, and I'm put it in the book. So it's dense. There's an answer to everything on sales. It's like, it's my magnum opus, you know, like a uh, hundred years from now, this, this will be the one. And I think sales superpower is really this book alone will stand sort of like a challenger or a spin, but something people go back to as a watershed moment hmm. um, for evolution of prospecting in the AI age. This is great. So, so let's, let's dive into the book a bit. So you talk about, you, you open the book, talking about the death and rebirth of outbound. So let, let's let's touch upon that to start with. So what's happened is there's been a Cambrian explosion of tools, 20,000 for MarTech, and now sales tech is catching up with MarTech. Like you stated, 1,500 sales solutions. And what happens is you have like the Henry Ford supply chain, but across the very top of the funnel, 75% of that can be automated. But companies haven't necessarily invested in that tech because we've had a pandemic, multi-front war, recession fears. And so there's been more cost cutting versus a ton of M&A and investments in this that have, were, were predicted. Now, that will swing back and it'll go nuts. Then we have an easy button of ChatGPT and OpenAI, which makes all the text instant, but have a very similar flavor. And even companies like Science, C-I-E-N-C-E, -E, have like, um, you know, an Android caller that's able to call you on the phone and it's a it's a robot. My book is actually narrated this time by an AI, but it's very realistic. It's a real human voice and it's hard to tell. Um, so right now, all the stats are pointing down. They're saying that the 11 million AEs and SDRs in tech, only 20% are hitting the number. Some say 40, I've heard even 20. So to me, that was a clarion call that I can't just have everyone with low budgets buy all the tech stacks. It's like, what do I do for everyone else? What's the MacGyver? There's 400 million small businesses and openings, new closing. They can't get the meetings. They can't get people to talk to them. They can't get their foot in the door. And so I said, well, over my 20 years, how, here's how I did it. If I had a spreadsheet, a Gmail and a LinkedIn, well, here's how I did the subject lines and here's how I wrote the emails and here's how I left a video and here's my voicemail. Like, here are all the neuroscience counterintuitive, visual, mobile responsive hacks that require no cost. That's the operating system, what you inject into the tech stack, right? Because if you're a great writer and you can position and sell, which many salespeople are, and they sell themselves short. If you can sell complex software products, you're a great writer. It's like, oh, I can't write. I just sell complex software. Well, <laughs> you articulate all day. You convince people all day. So like I'm in many senses, this book teaches people how to write B2B copywriting. There's a chapter on that. And it gives them the confidence that they are good at communicating. And it carves out a separate form of communication, which is B2B copywriting or B2B selling, speaking, and linguistics. So I've introduced a term 
called heuristics, kind of like my last book was TQ or technology quotient. And this word makes people glaze over. It just means shortcut. I heard it in David Hoffeld, Science of Selling. Um, it's been used, comes out of psychology, really comes out of programming development because they build code bases on code bases. But what I figured out is if you use templates on the internet, everyone has them and it saturates. So then you're just getting the same exact appropriate person, right? Hope you're doing well, executive meeting request. So what I'm teaching people to think about is what is the concept or meaning or meta? Are you using humor, social proof, brevity, differentiation? And it's kind of paint by number like Bob Ross. So I've been able to work with 22-year-old kids, teach them a system in two weeks, and then catch Fortune 500 meetings over and over again. It's like, well, you're going to need 20 years to have the acumen. No, it's the way you communicate. And if you use these heuristics and put these boundaries on GPT, now there's this GPT lab running through this book, which is ways to talk to chat GPT, to prompt it, to help you as an assistant. You may not have even thought of that. But the biggest thing to take away from all my work now is Michelangelo. I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set them free. Meaning, hit the easy button, but then make hyper-personalization, hyper-P. Put your own personalization. Go do 30 seconds of research. Do not rely on the machine. Otherwise, you will get a vanilla outcome, what I call homogenous GPT, meaning you go to your favorite ice cream or gelato store and you taste all the flavors and kind of all base vanilla. You can kind of taste when it's all from the same place. You don't want your messaging to be that way. <laughs> That's what I got, man. I droned. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting because, again, you you answered part of the next question I was I was having in terms of everybody using the same example, so everything becomes same. So how do you sort of uh, progress from there? It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the break. So in this era of the 2020s, if you email one at a time, it's primitive. And if you call one at a time, you need to ring three to 10 numbers at a time. You need to send 50 emails at a time. You need to be able to rotate your domains and IP addresses and warm them and have really smart configurations around RevOps. And now some of the larger technology systems for automation are getting disrupted by these younger upstarts like smart lead and instantly right and we have versions of software that are like the the old disruptors and they're disrupting the disruptors you are listening to a business podcast network original podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity which is untapped we can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in that is bpn at biz. C-A-S-T dot I-N. Business Podcast Network. Podcasts end to end. Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for Bits About Books and founder of Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Let's dive right back into the episode where we left it. The, the, the question that I have for you is, how effective really do you think is cold outreach vis-a-vis actually nurturing a market and starting dialogue which is of value and relevance. So yes, in the last two weeks, outreach 
put out a letter to its customers that's gone viral over the internet, which states that there is a Gmail and Yahoo, uh, Yahoo hard-coded 5,000 emails per day and then 0.3% on a 1,000 cents spam flag. Now, I spoke to the COO of retention.com, hmm. uh, Santosh, and he said, hey, you it's probably it's kind of a Y2K. You'd really have to be a spammer, mm. but it's making people think about this. Like even right now, from sequencers globally, I don't know if it's like you know 75 billion emails sent every day. It's massive. Um, typically, they get one meeting on a thousand tries. So that means that you're seeing 999 uh, prospects not getting hit. Now we can go to Chet Holmes and think three percent of the market in the window. I think Gartner said five percent. I think Corona and you know, SaaS explosion has made that in some markets 1%. But there's another book by Jim Holden that uses the 80-20 rule. And he says that 80% of a market services demand, but strategic sellers can create demand. And that jives with Mike Bosworth and the idea of latent pain. You've seen the iceberg graph. Um, David C. Baker says the prospects in the jar reading the label we're on the outside looking at the label. So a master prospector can uncover pain or latent pain for, with prospects that are not in mar market. Number two is buyer's buy. A master prospector, that's my max. Uh, <laughs> I say something brilliant, I get balloons. Hmm. Can um, also take business from competitors because buyer's buy, right? Someone who leases a Mercedes every year, you get a BMW lease for, for their you know significant other. So what I would say from a sustainability is the predictable revenue model of just email blasting, uh, it may be over, but yeah. it has changed just like Henry Ford said, if I'd asked them, they would have wanted faster horses. So in this era of the 2020s, if you email one at a time, it's primitive. And if you call one at a time, you need to ring three to 10 numbers at a time. You need to send 50 emails at a time. You need to be able to rotate your domains and IP addresses and warm them and have really smart configurations around RevOps. And now some of the larger technology systems for automation are getting disrupted by these younger upstarts like Smart Lead and Instantly, right? And we have versions of software that are like the, the old disruptors and they're disrupting the disruptors. There will always be outbound. We have to preserve it, but my book really gets into the fourth frame, hmm. right? First frame is calling. Second frame is emailing. Um, you know, my third frame is about routing because it's so hard to find the right person. I posited in my work that you call for a referral internally, but the fourth frame is social selling. So if you can get in Slack channels in dark social, you can get one-to-one -one on LinkedIn in any DM thread, well, what do you do? Well, you don't pitch like an email, it works like a chat flow. So in this book, I had this like $10,000 procedure called the fourth frame and this guy, Luke Shalom, he drove $200,000 in earnings on just this technique. And the technique is not something that will look the same because it makes you think, but it's a way to choreograph a chat with a prospect that gets to be their idea to want to get on a Zoom call. And now you can open up hundreds of meetings through LinkedIn yeah. finally. Yeah, absolutely. If the buyer needs them, wants a meeting, it's it's the easiest way to get it. And automation is hitting LinkedIn hard now because um, there was a landmark decision that they couldn't regulate scraping. Hmm. So yes, so I would suggest not doing that and doing things manually and slowing down 
using hyper-personalization and also really slowing down in the moment and just talking with people like a human because they're getting all that automation and you show up being like human and you stand out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I remember you you once uh, mentioned either to me directly or somewhere else in a post where you said that just to 30 outreaches a day, 99.9% of SDRs don't do that. They don't do those 900 outreaches a month, which can be done very easily, personally, hyper-focused, hyper-personalized, but we don't do it. We just let it go. Consistency is the key. So I have in the book, the 900 challenge, which is around the time I was 38 years old, I decided, you know what? I eat every day, I shower every day, I brush my teeth every day, no matter what, I'm going to prospect every day. And then I remember Guy Kawasaki who said, don't worry, be crappy. (laughs) (laughs) The idea is if you send B minus content all the time, you'll outperform the A plus just on weekends. It's like being a runner. Like if someone does a 3K run six days a week and you do once a week, they're going to get fitter. So the big thing is consistency being omni-channel and the cumulative impact of daily prospecting touches that are blended. So I'd be sitting in the Atlanta airport Mm -hmm. and after I made this decision, I'm like, okay, I'm going to send 30 friend requests or I'm going to send in-mails and in-mails outperform email. And so one day I was a VP of sales in a West region. I got six meetings in one day and the whole SDR team's like, wow, what was the template? What was the script? And I said, hey, the last, you know... 200 days, I haven't missed a day. Every single day, I'm chipping away at this thing. 30 triples a day, combo prospecting, right? Tony Hughes, um, basically leave 15 voicemails in the morning, 15 at night. And the other thing is, I have clients, like most people don't leave four or five voicemails. They leave two, they leave three, they don't know what to do. We think of old school door knockers, like Jehovah was witness, they or like selling a vacuum or knives like they come by every day at three and they leave the pamphlet and finally you open the door you're like okay i'll look at the knife you know uh so mm-hmm. yeah we we ended up with one of those kirby vacuum cleaners it was like a thousand dollar vacuum that could lift a bowling ball i guess my mom bought that in the 80s <laughs> but uh it works there's actually it's funny there's a, a famous book now i don't remember who wrote it about vacuum sales door to door i read that and i was like this is what people need to read <laughs> interesting um, tell a bit about uh, video prospecting. What are your thoughts? I mean, like AI, which we sort of took to everybody's using AI, plain vanilla, you know, the you, you know already all about it. Video has been around far longer, yet again, very few people actually use it. Yeah, so most people get a video player, and I'm a fan of all the tech in this. And then they send like five or 10 or 15, it takes time to do it, and then it doesn't work. Well, what happens is just like we train the prospect with, did I catch you at a bad time with the wrong call opener? So I have mm-hmm. these call openers that aren't permission-based. I've reimagined the opener of calls. I've reimagined all seven pillars of outbound. But with video, what I do is I put the video in line. So I do videos on LinkedIn app first degree. So as soon as they open the video, it's playing. Because the other ones, we have to hit a link and there's like a cup of coffee with your name. They kind of think, oh, it's a trap and they don't look at it. Mm. The other big learning, and I think maybe this was from Morgan J. Ingram and Vidyard, but I use a heuristic that I add to that called the opinion heuristic. I use it in two places. If I have a cold call going bad, I say, hey, I'm bombing this call. Can you coach me? Right. And that breaks them out of their shell and they help me. I'll send a video and say, how would you improve this video? 
So people love to give critique. And so if you invite them to do it, it's a great way to get a response and actually get them to watch the video. You would think like, hey, is the tech in the video helpful to your business? Crickets. But if you ask them to critique the quality of a Venn diagram or video, it's an interesting hack. You'll get very high response rates. Everyone can take that away. Right. So just just to get clarity, I mean, you can only do uh, LinkedIn video from the phone, right? Or you can do it on the desk. Currently, it's yeah, it's over the native LinkedIn app, and it's confusing because there's also a sales navigator app. But yes, there's a plus sign in the video. Maybe they'll take it away tomorrow. They change it a lot. Right, right. Talk a bit about the visual prospecting bit because you are the only person I think who ever spoke about this. Yeah. The reason nobody touches that is they hit the spam filter, so they all just abandon it. Hmm. But I read a statistic, and it's held true that visuals are processed by the brain 60,000 times faster than words. And 90% of how we retain information is visual. So I sent from my personal Gmail an email to the chief digital officer of McDonald's way back in the day. It's probably someone new now. And I got a response immediately and a meeting. Then I sent that to the VP of mobile phone Devo and I, they called my signature. And I felt like that scene in Back to the Future where Doc Brown falls and hits his head on the toilet and invents time travel, the flux capacitor. I'm like, wow. And then I realized SEO and SEM, millions of dollars, billions are sent, uh, spent to get you to click the right ad to get to the site. And what's on the front of Nike? Human faces, visuals, what's on the front of Google? Like it's all pictures and product marketing. What I do is I send a flat email under 50 words in the first message so that converts 60% higher, right? Three paragraphs takes 11 seconds. Uh, three sentences takes 3.3 seconds by the brain to process. The longer email triggers fight or flight, the smaller it doesn't. I bump it with the word thoughts. And on day three, I put the picture under 100 kilobytes, under a megabyte. And by doing that, I get through the spam aperture on Outlook or Gmail because they've already opened it a few times mm. and I can get it delivered. And that's how I hacked it. And now I've, I have a company that I'm um, about to work with that created this really sophisticated diagram based on my work. I didn't even know they did. And they unlocked 60 enterprise opportunities with this Venn diagram. Happy to share it with anyone who'd like to see it. Um, it was incredible. It looks like a crop circle or <laughs> something from a UFO, but it's so visually stunning. It sucks you in. Hmm. And you can't help but write back and ask questions. In fact, when I first did Venn diagrams, I'd get them wrong. And my prospect would say, hey, my logo's in the wrong spot, or that's totally wrong. I'm like, yeah, let's get on a call and talk about it. Because <laughs> we want to stimulate. Remember, the currency of prospecting is interactivity. Therefore, any reply is positive, even a negative reply. Right. So just, just to extend this thought, for the males to carry a diagram, you do this three male sequence where this goes in the third because people have opened and so on. What mm-hmm. happens if you try to do that in in-mail? Because in-mail, there is no deliverability issue. You can attach any image you'd like in an in-mail. So just Correct. attach a Venn diagram or attach a case study with someone's face or attach something from your solutions page. There's a program called um, Cloud App, which is now mm-hmm. Zite, Z-I-G-H-T dot com. And it makes a GIF, a GIF of a three-second moment. So I send George Clooney bumps. I send parts of a demo, UI, UX moments, anything wow mm-hmm. factor. Okay, but not a PDF. It's, 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 it has to be it has to be like a visual, a GIF kind of thing, which, yeah. which is automatically visible and not need not be clicked on to see. That's what exactly. And PDFs are good, but nobody reads them. So I always talk about. See, back in the day of SEO, 
Marissa Meyer, who was running search at Google, used to have an investor send her an email that said yeah. 33, 27, 16, 8. It was the amount of words on the Google mm-hmm. homepage. And every time they deleted words, it did better. So then they came out with a science in like the early 2000s or mids where it was called conversion rate optimization, CRO. Well, taking CRO and mobile responsive design, when I write an email sequence, that first set of three is a cluster and it has a narrative arc and it's fractal holographic because the second cluster would also convert. So what I mean to say is wherever they stop the music on the sequence, it's going to convert them. My key is never click away. I don't use links. If I have a white paper, I just put what it's about into a single sentence. I'm like, hey, there's mm-hmm. this recent white paper from Forrester where we uncovered that, you know, 64% of revenue leaders uh, use enablement solutions, whatever, you know, how, what's the impact? So everything's done in line. You're scrolling on the mobile device. And a fun Orrin Claff was I might even put the whole email into the subject line. Mm. Right. Pattern interrupts. Um, there was a time where I got access to a CRM system and was able to send 300,000 messages in a very short period of time. And it was just a single sentence in the subject line about a VIP event for the mobile uh, Congress in LA. And it got opened by billionaires, founders of companies. And everyone, I got, I got over 700 responses mm-hmm. and it, everyone referred, hey, this person on my team, because it looked organic. They all thought it was personally sent. So the biggest tip is pick one person you really respect, write a natural email, and then think about how you can scale that up uh, to go wider. And that's where A-B testing comes in. Mm-hmm. As people may know, I've sent 5 million emails over time and I've done 20,000 hours of cold calls. Why? I'm not sure. That's why it's a spiritual book because I'm still here. My hair is getting gray. <laughs> Faster now. Right, right. Do you actually think that reaching out to a lot of people is a sustainable process vis-a-vis actually nurturing a group and then having a dialogue with them for sale? So, so th- these two are two different approaches, right? Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts going forward? Where, where do you see this going? Because at some point, your ability to reach out to 300,000 people will get curtailed. I mean, in some form, like you already yeah. said. I mean, yeah, this is a long time ago and just kind of a funny <laughs> testament to the quality of the text. But, you know, Chet Holmes had the dream 100, but I typically will pick 200, but that's 40. So I use account-based sales development, claim to fame as Lars Nilsson. And what I do is I get a list of 200 counts. I pick the top 40 as tier one. I tier the list, I stack rank it every day. And based on interactivity, I keep stack, stack ranking it. And that's how I use the power law asymmetrically to keep honing in on the most important accounts. And I see everything lopsided like that. I'm always using 80-20 for efficiency gains and for leverage. And so even if you know I had a client where every rep had 10,000 accounts and we ran six cents on it, and we cut the 10,000 down to hundreds. Mm. But the key is to always be looking for that 80, 20, 95 and five, 99 and one, and looking for signals and trigger events selling like job changes, funding, employee headcount as a proxy for profitability is really key. Mm. The era of spray and pray is gone. I mean, you've got a 50 send per day cap on Gmail. You could get four of them and send 200 a day. So yeah. I, I created this word hyper P and no one knows it because I created it. It's hyper personalization. It means someone watched this podcast, this webinar, and at minute 33 heard me say this and puts at mini th- minute 33 
you said this. Now, soon, AI can listen to all the podcasts, pull out the nuggets. I've even seen a friend of mine build this thing. But we're not going to see artificial intelligence replace the buyer and the seller until 2035 when AGI comes out. Yeah. And the regulators with TCPA and the Federal Trade Commission, they're not going to let robots call you unless there's some kind of legislation that says, hey, this is Justin's AI mm. disclaimer. And uh, John Gerard, who used to be the uh, CEO of Science, first shared that concept with me. Kind of like personalization of ads, you're open to sharing data. If you get it personalized, you would have to opt in to be mm. willing to be called by the robots from certain companies. Yeah. And that might work. But for yeah. now, we're pretty safe for the next 10 years. It's going to be like Uber. We keep making a self-driving car and nobody's using them. <laughs> it's kind of a gimmick. I wish I had better news. Right, right. This is this is great. Bits About Books is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Pitchlink makes buying easy by enabling high-quality engagement between buyers and sellers through its presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create customized sales narratives using sales collaterals and personal videos and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversations. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intuition. Call us on 99021-631-32. Justin, uh, what, what should be the one takeaway from your book? Uh, I, I know it's a, it's a very cliched question, but if you, if you wanted people to just go out with one thought, what would that be? I call these my tombstone realizations, but the truth is that email is visual. It's not templates and scripts. It's not templates. It's not even formulas and frameworks. It's visual. So that's <laughs> And then the phone is not about scripts or tone. It's not about tone. It's about power transfer and um, the polarity shift. And you'll see what that means from a neuroscience perspective. So those are really kind of earth-shattering challenges to the last hundred years since Alexander Graham Bell invented the uh, telephone. And there's so much more in this book. Uh, but thank you so, so much for letting me share. It's called Sales Superpowers. It's on Amazon very near the top or at the top. And uh, <laughs> just search Amazon for Justin Michael. It's right there. Absolutely. I'll, I'll put a link to your book, uh, no worries. And uh, I hope to get you back to talk about the JMM Model 2.0. Awesome. Thanks for everything you do. And uh, grateful for all the readers out there. Keep reading. Readers are leaders. And uh, appreciate you. Grateful. Thank you, Justin. We have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations on breakthrough books. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us today on Bits About Books, where we talk to authors about breakthrough books on sales, marketing, and business. We hope this conversation helped inform and motivate as we all navigate a rapidly changing business environment. For us, these are enlightening conversations enriched with knowledge and expertise. We encourage you to go out and buy the book to learn firsthand and implement some of the great ideas we discussed today. We hope to have you with us again in the next exciting episode of Bits About Books. If you liked what you heard, 
subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast from and give us a rating while you are at it. This Biscast original podcast is produced for Pitchlink, the next generation buyer seller engagement platform where the mission is to make buying easy. Hosted by Subhanjan Sarkar and produced by Rajiv Aditya. See you next time and have a wonderful day.